This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. You know, before they were legends of outlaw country, they were lost souls looking for their sound. Don't miss Mandy Moore and the new scripted audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the rise of outlaw country music and its biggest stars. Hear how one woman's vision in her tiny living room, far from Nashville's music row, became the epicenter of a musical movement. Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in The Boar's Nest. Listen now at audible.com slash The Boar's Nest. Hey, it's Amy Brown here to talk about St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. For 60 years, St. Jude doctors and researchers have helped push the overall childhood cancer survivor rate from 20% to more than 80%. But we need your help getting that number to 100%. And most important, your support means that families will never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food. Now, that peace of mind means so much. So join me in helping St. Jude in the fight against childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope and text Bobby to 785-833. That's B-O-B-B-Y to 785-833. Welcome to episode 315. We'll talk to Luke Dick. He wrote a bunch of songs for a bunch of people. He's just a really interesting guy. What was awkward was when we finished the interview, I walked him out. Mm-hmm. And as I came in, because I always try to walk him out and have a little personal talk with yeah. the microphones. As I came in, uh, have a good day. Good luck. And I was like, I don't know why I said good luck. I'm awkward. <laughs> I, I don't know why I good said that. Luck. Yeah, I was like, good luck. But he wrote, you know, Eric Church, Randall Lambert. I mean, just such a great songwriter. Did a documentary. So he was a philosophy professor. Very interesting guy. Yeah, that's coming up in a minute. All right, let's go. Top five songs of the week. Cole Swindell put out a new song called Some Habits. He actually performed this on the radio show a couple months before it was released. Here is that version. Because good bourbon is hard to put down that high road is hard to stay. And here is the version that is out today. Because good bourbon is hard to put down that high road is hard to stay on that good book. It's hard to pick up that. Mitchell Tenpenny has a new EP out called Midtown Diaries. Here's a new song called To Us It Did. Singer-songwriter and this week's guest, Luke Dick, has a new song called Some Things Happen. At number two, Sam Hunt. He put out a new song called 23. No matter where I go, no matter what I do, I'll never be 23 with anyone but you. you And finally, Casey Musgraves has a new album out called Starcrossed. Here's a new song called Justified. And the one news story I'll mention, Walker Hayes' Fancy Like lands in the top 10 on the Billboard Hot 100. I mean, I watched any SEC game. 
every commercial is an Applebee's commercial, and yeah. it's him. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. It's wild to watch how that went from being a viral TikTok to a massive hit. Like, hopefully he gets, like, pop play out of this, you yeah. know? There you go. Enjoy uh, Luke Dick in just a second. And with Luke Dick, you know, I've seen many uh, photos of you. I have friends who have worked with you. It's just random for me to have not have met someone until this point. Because you're a very established, you know, super uh, well-thought-of guy, and our paths haven't crossed, have they? Um, I don't think so. I, don't I think either. this is it. I'm pretty forgettable, though. <laughs> you are not a forgettable guy. I'm pretty forgettable. I hide out, you know. I just got my little studio and come out. Uh, and I get eat. I eat now and again, and then I pick <laughs> up my kids, and then I get back to doing whatever it is I'm doing. What is your studio like? Um... You know, I bought this house right when I moved to Nashville um, six or seven years, seven years ago. And uh, it was a garage in the back and uh, it was unfinished. And I thought that'd be a great place for just to have something close to the house, away from the house. And so then I put these opaque glass doors so I could have some light and put a bunch of skylights in and really dressed it up and made it into a thing. And so that's where I am all the time. I'm uh, currently looking for another spot. I have too many kids. They're beating on the door all the time. So, <laughs> Are you, when you are, are riding in this room, I assume you do a lot of riding there. Yeah, yeah. And you're producing, are you doing more than just demos? Like, will you do any like anything for a record in your spot? Yeah. Um, I, I'm working on the next Miranda Lebert record right now. We're almost done. And um, a lot of the stuff were, was... Um, when I do demos, I don't think of them as demos. I just am trying to make something that I love. And so I put more time and effort into it. And so maybe some of that stuff makes it onto the record. It may be the pre-production um, that we just drummed to. Um, there was a single for Kip Moore called The Bull a few years ago. That was just straight up out of my studio. So I'll do whatever out of there. Um, right now I'm doing a... Um, soundtrack for a documentary for it's actually the sound bed co composition for the band guar you know the band yeah guar. <laughs> yeah crazy they're crazy looking guys <laughs> yeah, right it's sort of yeah like monsters mon they're actually alien monsters um who populated the human race and then got disgusted with human beings and so they were really adamant that they, that they get out of here so anyway it's an is that their backstory really their backs, well, that's the like myth. Like fictional backstory. That's the mythology, yeah. The true story is that it was a bunch of punk kids in Virginia who, um, they had a punk band. One of them had a punk band, and then this other guy, he was making movies, and he had all these costumes, and the guy said, why don't I just put on these costumes, and we'll open for our punk band with this sort of fake metal band. And so that was how Gore came to be, and then that band became more popular than their regular <laughs> band. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned uh, Kip's song "The Bull," yeah, which which was probably my favorite song off that project. Oh, awesome! And I remember talking to Kip about it because I played it on the radio show a few times, and it may have even went for a single for a second. Or he was talking about it, and he and he called me and he goes, "You know what's wrong with this song?" He said, "Nothing with what we did with it." He said, "There are radio. This is how sometimes yeah. dumb radio is." Yeah, because there are radio stations that are up against stations that are named The Bull. And don't want to play it because it's going the bull. Yep. Like yeah. if there's a wolf in, I'm just make up a city so no one. Yeah. In Tucson, there's a there's a wolf country station and a bull country station. Uh -huh. The wolf wouldn't play the song the bull because they felt like it was a commercial for the bull country station. Yeah. I, if I wish I had that to do over again, I would have named it something else. 
I would never have thought of that, though. Buck me off. Yeah. <laughs> Callers buck me off. Did that story get back to you? Yeah, it did. It was really um, um, so frustrating and a surreal look at the kind of things that you're up against to try to make a living as a creative person. You know, I'm just like, wow, that is so ridiculous. But um, okay, I guess I won't eat this year. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, reading some about kind of your background, more so than the songwriting, because I'm very familiar with the stuff you've wrote and who you've written with, and mm-hmm. we'll get into that in a bit. But for me, one of the, I would say the coming from a small town in Arkansas, I'm from a town called Mountain Pine, Arkansas. You're from Oklahoma, yeah. so we kind of have similar sensibilities from where we come from. Sure. And when I went to college and I studied philosophy, it just kind of wrecked me in the best way. Uh-huh. And I grew up in a really small town, had extreme values, and then I started to learn, while there's more, uh, there are deeper thoughts available for me than I've ever tried to think about. And again, it scared me, it wrecked me, it, yeah. I grew. But then when I read that you went off and were an adjunct philosophy professor, uh-huh. how does that happen? And, and when did that happen in your life when you were just so moved by philosophy? That is a funny coincidence um, that you studied philosophy, but... Um I, in high school, my teachers would feed me stuff that they thought that I would be interested in, and it wasn't philosophy, it was just more thoughtful literature. Um, I had to do some stuff on the transcendentalist, Henry David Thoreau and Emerson, I had to, in the ninth grade and tenth grade, and teachers would sort of funnel me toward that. Um, But then when I got in college... Um, I was studying music business for a hot minute, and then, like, after a half a semester, this teacher's like, well, in order to tour with uh, Roy Clark in Russia, you have to dot, dot, dot. And I'm just like, I'm so out on this, you know. Touring in Russia with Roy Clark, that just sounds so, like, this is our starting point, you know, for whatever. And I'm in Oklahoma, and I'm like, this this was like, okay, I'm hedging my bet, so I'm in a band, and I'll just do this music business, maybe I'll be an executive or whatever. I'm like, this is trash. I'm not doing this. And so then I had this history professor I loved and a philosophy professor that I loved. And I just started, and there was a double major. And in philosophy, it was just interesting questions that I'd thought of um, a little bit, very, in a very cursory manner as a, as a high schooler and sort of when your brain comes online. And just the f- philosophy to me became a, at first, it was like this magical thing that could give me all the answers, and then it was like very clearly not that. It was just this framework for thinking about the questions of freedom. Does freedom exist? Is there such a thing as good? How do you measure good? Um, how do we have thoughts at all? Um, sort of the, even before psychology and sort of the history of all that and the history of intellectual thought and at all, and I became really interested in it. It was really difficult, too, um, and I was... I'm give, all but given up on music and I moved to New York and I'd had a master's then. I was like, well, I'll get a PhD and uh, that'll be my job. You know, it's good. You get a pension, whatever. I had a kid and I couldn't, you know, I was had artistic aspirations, but my kid was like, I can't really tour, you know. And so anyway, about the time that I said I'm going to get a PhD, I started making money, you know, like uh, doing spec music for ads and all this. And I was still making my own music and making my own songs and kind of that was that um i found a way to be a middle-class citizen 
with music and that was always the goal even as a 10 year old you know you never had dreams of being a college professor in a massive university teaching you, philosophy it was never a massive university when i was at you know when when the kind of the dream the first little rock and roll band had died i was like i really like it was this little liberal arts school in oklahoma city and i loved it and i was like well i could come back here and i'd be one of the two philosophy professors here and it's, it seemed like such a sweet life you know you get up and you go to school and you teach and then you go have a lunch and then you come back and have a meeting or whatever um, and that seemed like a a dream to me, you know. I mean, I was the first kid in my family to get an education at all. So um, that seemed um, like almost a Disney story to me. But then, um, I mean, because there's nobody. I don't know, Mountain, what did you say, Mountain Pine? Mountain Pine. Seven, Mountain Pine. Population 772. Yeah, yeah. The, the town that I grew up in, once my mom moved us out to the country, um... It was the closest town was fifteen was fifteen hundred people, but we were twenty miles away from that. So it was this, like just a community of yeah. houses. You know, the closest neighbors are like a mile away or something. And so I don't think I think I'm maybe the only person in Cobra, Oklahoma, to ever have a philosophy degree. I don't know. <laughs> the um, uh, the two things that and and we can get off this in a second, yeah. but I really get to talk philosophy because I know nothing. I mean, now I sound like Socrates, but I literally yeah, yeah. know nothing. <laughs> uh, uh, and so, but the things that just rattled me was, I remember reading Mark Twain's That Damn Human Race uh. about morality and if that morals are bad. If we didn't know, if we didn't have bad, we would, if we didn't have good, we wouldn't have bad. Yeah. Like if there was no such thing as good, we've created good. There wouldn't be bad if there wasn't good. And animals don't have morals and they're yeah. not good or bad or evil. They're living. And I remember being like, oh, I, I'm not supposed to think about this, but feeling guilty. <laughs> and then I read The Cave which I don't know if you taught the cave at all. The allegory of the cave? Yes. Okay. And I remember thinking, because it's you know two people trapped in the bottom of a cave, all they can see is fire on a wall, and yes. their whole world is what they can see. Sure. And I remember, th- and one of them's freed and is able uh, to go outside and come back in. Right. And he's able to tell the other guy, I saw, but the other guy, the, his only known existence is looking at that fire on the wall. Uh, and he's like, there's no way that's true. And I'm, and I'm like, who else has left the cave? I'm the guy. I'm the guy that's only seen the fire. And that's a very brief interpretation of that. But I just remember thinking, I am never going to like look at Earth or the world or more than the Earth the same after that. Well, it's a kind of an utter objectivity, you know, and you have to shake your own cultural notions of reality and stuff like that. Um, I a lot of people, it really um, a, an idea that there are no such things as morals or something like this, and that we've created it all. That's scary to a lot of people. Um, to me, it's like this weird thing where. Um, or fate, for instance, you know, that you were, I was destined to be this. I always try not to say things like that because if I was destined to be this, then it could be a, no other way. And that means that I'm not free. And to be not free sounds like the most scary thing to like me. Destiny is the opposite of freedom. Destiny is kind of the opposite of freedom to me. Or if there is such a thing as, uh, you know, predestination or something like that, that all the decisions are made or known somewhere, it's like, oh, no, you know, um, that doesn't sound. That doesn't sound fun. That sounds like a schedule. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing a little more research on because my ver- my vision and version of you has been the last ten years or so. Mm. Um, but it seemed like for a while you weren't writing country music for a while. Now you're back. Like why? Why? Why'd you quit? I wouldn't say quit. Why did you take a break? And what brought you back? Yeah. Um, I. Um, 
I I came to Nashville for a minute and I just didn't have any luck. You know, I was trying. I was I made a record. I was trying to get in a deal. There were things stacked against me just logistically in terms of um, being a single dad and stuff like this. And so I I didn't. I, and also, people weren't responding in a way. There were outliers, you know, that had some clout or something. Said, "I really love what you do." Blah 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 blah. But I was like, and this never amounted to anything. And it wasn't like people were picking up my songs. And I'm like, I either don't know how to do this, I, I'm not savvy enough, or or it's just not good enough or something like that. Did you I, never think you were ahead of your time? Uh, that's, um, I think that like looking back and listening to the record that I made, that's what it sounds like to me. But I also don't want to be... Um, um, have delusions of grandeur or something like that. It's just like music is important to me, but it's also just a snippet of life and reality. And it's a big part, you know, it's a big part. It gives me a lot of joy. Um, but I also don't want to think in terms, like I have a hard time think, thinking in terms of that, that you're ahead of your time and that's why it didn't work or whatever. And, but then it, whatever, whatever it is, and it didn't work. And so I left and then my current publisher called me when I was in New York and, um, he he said, "Hey, do you have any songs for Dirk Bentley?" And I'm, and I just said, "No." Um, I, I, I mean, literally everything that I've written has been in falsetto, and also about the afterlife or some sort of afterlife adventure. I mean, it's too fantastical and whimsical for Dirk's. I just don't. I'm, I'm, I thank you for calling me. Um, <laughs> But he will just look me up if you're ever in town. And then one thing led to another, and a few years went by, and we met and um, for coffee. And he's like, "You need to come write with me and at this company, and um, you need to be writing with Eric, and you don't need to be doing what you think you should be doing. You should be doing what you want to do, and hits will fall out of that. I promise you." And and he was he was right, um, and the, but. So between him and getting in the right rooms and having just the opportunity to show somebody like Eric Church a song or an idea for a song, um, that led to a lot of things. And Kip was a big proponent early on, too. It was like I didn't have any hits, and he was coming over because he liked the sounds coming out of my studio, and I would we would work on stuff. And I think it was the Wild Ones record. I got a couple of songs on there, and we, we just worked. Um, but then... Eric and then Natalie Hemby and I started writing together and it was like almost like we fed off of each other's creativity and so we were like trying to not one up each other it was like us like pushing each other like trying to make each other like smile or get excited about a song and so we'd bring in an idea or a sound or something like that and that was a real joy and then she would also sing my praises it was like I probably owe her a hundred grand in PR fees (laughs) you know around town brought Miranda into the room and that became a relationship. Um, and it's meant a lot of joy and a lot of songs with her, but it was, that was kind of the beginning of it was running into a publisher, um, who believed in what I did naturally instead of trying to curb it, um, to meet a market demand or something like that. And that's not really where I shine anyway. And I've, I find that if I feel like I'm a cat in a corner when I'm writing a song, then it's usually not going to be awesome. It's going to be an average kind of thing, day or whatever. I've talked to Miranda and Cassie Ashton, Natalie Hemby, those that you mentioned there, and they all say the same thing about you is that, you know, 
you're very out of the box and with ideas. I think that's that's the easy way to describe you to people who don't have to write songs. Like, mm. um, do you feel like you're known as the out of the box guy? I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't feel like I love Ashley Gourley, but I don't. I don't think that I have that kind of potential um, in terms of commercial success as Ashley Gourley because. I feel like there's like five artists at any given time that might be interested in what I'm doing because it doesn't fit subject matter. The subject might not fit into the way that they see the market. Um, but I honestly um, am just trying to get ideas that make me excited to write the song. Um, and also, it's it's not so serious, you know. I mean, there are plenty of songs that aren't don't necessarily have to be serious. Um, I don't know, pink sunglasses or something like that. Um, that's really fun. That's really jo joyous to write. I think in the indie rock band I have, Hey Steve, is all about this sort of both digging in weird to weird pop culture, but also having fun while you're doing it and being, um, what's the word, um, self-deprecating a little bit. Um, I don't know. That's To me, country has a sweet spot for self-deprecation, too, that I really love. Um, it's, it's been a part of the history of country um but anyway that's a long way around um am i the out of the box guy I, f i feel like just maybe objectively yes um it doesn't feel like it it feels it's all in my head so it feels like it's mine <laughs> it's your own you know? box like it's my own box yeah, yeah. so i'm just like yeah this is what would be cool and everybody else is like why would you do that i mean i've pitched songs ideas before that were hits that people were like what does that mean Why you did you do that or something like that? And it's like that it goes on to be a number one. <laughs> do you? You seem like a guy that would need an aesthetic in a room. Hey, does your studio have an aesthetic where people they're like this is the the Luke Dick aesthetic? <laughs> yeah, it's there, there's definitely. I mean, I did I, I re-upped it a little bit over COVID, but you know, I have objects that I love or that are close to me, and the color scheme is just like this really beautiful mustard wall and then you know a painting that this painting that i saw it was just these like birds in the mist you know and it's like things that aren't things that aren't that are impressionistic i guess that are aren't particular things that are art art wise in the studio i don't like having awards up on the wall that's that's the past that seems i don't That always never made me. It never made me feel good to walk in and f see awards. I mean, it felt like something. As he walked out of a fireplace up there with like yeah. four ACMs up there. I'm talking about in the creative in a creative space no, in a creative space. But but then just things that you like, things that make you feel good. Do you love it or is it beautiful? Isn't that a question about the aesthetic of the interior? Does it do you love it? Um, is it beautiful? Is it functional? Those kind of questions. Um, but then colors. I really love colors, and so the. My one wall is this really deep navy-ish kind of hue, and then the back wall is this sort of mustard color and all this greenery and stuff like that, Great, things that live and breathe, you know. Um, but yeah, I always it's important for to me to feel good in a space, um, and a songwriting space is pretty intimate, you know. I mean, you're around somebody for six hours and usually if you're in this business, there's some sensitivity about you and so you never know what you're going to end up talking about. And I mean, I remember one day it was me and Laura Veltz and uh, Jesse Joe Dillon and we sat down and it seemed like um, two two thirds of the people were having, you know, um, sort of turmoil at the time and So it was this outpour of, you know, the, oh my God, and this, and this, and this, and I can't believe that, 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 and this. 
and it was really heartfelt. It was a safe space, you know, and then and then we broke for lunch and came back and wrote this song called Tattoo, which is this uh, super flippant song about it, uh, about wishing that you were a tattoo because you could be on somebody 24-7. And so it turned into this thing, but to have a space that welcomes that kind of openness, um, that's what I hope for. I feel like that's when really good stuff can happen, either either something with depth or something, you know, surface level, um, fun. It's, um, it's all, um, it's all necessary to me. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots and Tacova's is your next stop before attending your next concert. Tacova's has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring. You're talking about men's boots, women's boots, um, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time honored tradition, timeless style, always on trend. And Tacovas has first wear comfort, little to no break-in period. Like, it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, direct consumer pricing keeps the value on your feet, the money in your pocket. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink, shop the new styles. You like the smell of leather or no? I love it. Yeah. That's what the whole store basically is. Fresh leather. Yep. Friendly staff. Or like the smell of staff? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm sure they smell good there. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. What a gift, too. Regular live music and events, there is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. Tecovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How do the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer shaped the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed as The Boar's Nest, Sue's place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, that's where they would spur each other and tap into something bigger and something realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Backrack as Shel Silverstein and T.J. Osborne as Johnny Cash alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the boar's nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The boar's nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Listen now at audible.com slash the boar's nest. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the kids at St. Jude. St. Jude's been leading the way in the world's best survival rates for some of the most aggressive forms of childhood cancer. Your support means that families never get a bill from St. Jude for treatment or travel or housing or food. So the families can focus on helping their child live. And that really hits home for me because I've been to St. Jude many times. I've hung out with the kids, played music for the kids. I was in the hospital a lot as a kid. Now, I didn't have cancer, but if it wasn't for people stepping up, I don't know that I would have been able to go and stay in the hospital and be taken care of. So that's why we do this, take care of others. You can help St. Jude stop childhood cancer by becoming a partner in hope. When you do this, you'll get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. So join all the doctors and researchers, you know, and me in this fight and just text the word Bobby to 785-833. It's only six numbers, but text the word Bobby to 785-833. When you started riding with Eric, was 
he already having success, or was it early on? Mm, it was the Mr. Mister Misunderstood record, so he'd had a, a, a serious amount of success by the time I was writing with him. So you, you start writing with him. I mean, to you as a creative, is that intimidating to write with him, or is it kind of refreshing? Because he also, uh, you know, went a different angle at his success. Yeah. Um, I was in New York, and when I was living there, they somebody showed me um, Smoke a Little Smoke, and they said, have you heard this? And I listened, and I'm like, like, is this what they're doing in Nashville now? And um, it gave me hope, you know, that, that there could be um, something creatively interesting, sonically interesting. Um, and I feel like people, I feel like Jay Joyce kind of paved the way sonically for somebody like me to be here. Um, I really um have a lot of gratitude for what they what those two have done together um it's no small feat to break in with a different sound and but but to more point at your question a little bit better um there's always a bit of intimidation it doesn't matter how how successful or not commercially successful the artist is coming in so but that was you know the first chance at an at an A-list situation um, for me to prove myself or whatever. Um, but I had sent him this idea um, through my publisher that he loved. And, it, you know, there was, it was already, it was kill a word and there was already an idea happening there. And the, in the first stanza and refrain, and he's like, I love this, let's finish it. And so he came in and we finished that. And then it was like, it took us like an hour to finish the song. And then he, it was me and him and Jeff Hyde, who plays in his band too, who's a great writer. And then he had the the, the idea for Around Here Buzz. And so he kind of had a, around here buzz, around here buzz. And so then we just sort of took off on that. And it just felt natural. Once you get in, everybody's a human, you know, it's like there's no, I don't know, there's no, there's different kinds of magic to different human beings, you know, um, and different and and Eric is definitely somebody with um, a special kind of charisma and a special kind of um, creative um, capacity and, and uh, intellect to me. Um, but as a human being or trying to impress another human or something like that, it's like, look, you know, we all woke up today. We all needed breakfast and all that stuff. So let's just, you try to put <clears throat> stardom or something like that out of your head. Um, I try to um, and not be, um, I guess, motivated or or dissuaded or felt in, feel insecure around um, that kind of a status. I'm trying to think if there was somebody that I'd be so starstruck that it would be difficult to write with. Um, uh, you know, Tom Waits, I don't know. Um, kind of sound like Tom Waits right now when you're talking. <laughs> uh, I'm Bob Dylan, I guess. You know, if you had to go write a song with Bob Dylan, that would probably be one of the most intimidating things, uh, situation. Um, <laughs> I remember this is not an intimidating person, but this guy came over and he was an Englishman and he had these hits in the 80s, these pop rock hits, and they were really good, good ones. And I kept playing like guitar stuff and he's like... Uh, He'd look at me and he'd go, oh, that's not very inspiring, is it? <laughs> what do you do to that? You know, I'm just like, uh, what do you got? And he's like, 
here's a list of I'm more of a lyrics guy here's a here's a list of titles and the titles were like all night long all night all of everything and I'm just like are you fucking kidding me what is this are you a, are you a lyric or a melody guy at heart when you start to write I I can't separate them really you know um when Natalie, it's diff, different for different rooms. When I get around Natalie and I have a melody already with something and with a phrasing and she wants to change the melody, I usually defer to her because I really believe in her abilities to make a melody. Um, there are a few other people like that that I, when they say, man, I think this melody could be better. I'm like, all right, let's check it. Let's scrap it. Let's see what's up. Um, but I, it all, I really want to marry it all because you can't just send somebody the lyrics to a song and expect it to speak to them off of a page. I mean, there's a whole thing happening there. It's like that's the beauty of um, music or songs in general is that there's a sound, there's a, you know, there's a chord progression, there's a lyric, and there's a melody on top of it. So it's hard for me to say that I'd be one thing. Um, when you write, are you writing based on will you just chase lyrics or will you sometimes just create a melody and then insert lyrics into it later both um both um I said, laura Vels does this to me i hope she's listening right now because when we write i'll be i'll turn around I've, I've, and i'll start try to get the track going you know it's like okay we got the first verse let me just put a little bass part in here i'll turn around and laura's such a prolific lyricist that she'll be done with the second verse i'm like wait a minute i like this song can i participate please <laughs> can you hold on chew you know have a have a story eat some chips or something and let me try to do this bass part and <laughs> contribute um but the, there have been times um that the melody has come first you know it's like you know you start playing um and something will just spill out of you, and then you just work around the vowels. The vowels might lead you to a phrase or something like that, you know? Um, I, I read the Keith Richards' book, and he talked about the way that they did that, and it's, I don't think it's uncommon to do that. Um, Life, that's the book from Keith Richards, and he said, I think, I can't remember, he had a name for it, you know, the way that they do it, but it's, you know, you're just playing a chord, and you're, ow, ow, and so then you, whatever vowel you sing, that feels the most natural, you might lean toward a word with that vowel sound. Um, and then it, and then you have to work the concept around the vowel sound or something like that. You know, it's a really, songwriting is really weird, but, um, I do find that when I listen to songs and I feel like that's a good melody, those are the wrong vowel sounds or something, you know, I'm like, I can't understand the lyric. It's not, the lyrics not sticking out to me because the, it's all mushed in there in a way. And the vowels aren't popping in the, there's too many words or too many, too not enough words. So there's like an economy and that's all subjective too, right? It's just like, does that sounds too like too many words to me? Um, it doesn't sound like too many words to that artist or that person singing it. I'm going to compare you as a lyricist and a songwriter to Eminem, which you may have never been compared to, but whoa, when I listen to Eminem, he bends rhymes. Sometimes he doesn't rhyme, but still rhymes. And a lot of, or at least some of your writing, mm. you don't even chase a rhyme. There just aren't rhymes where there should be, where traditionally rhymes are. I shouldn't say should be rhymes. Yeah, yeah. There aren't rhymes where traditionally 
rhymes are. Yeah, yeah. Is that purposeful on your part to not put rhymes there, or is it just purposeful to put those words there and they just don't happen to rhyme? I, f- I feel like um, when you get down to it, it's like, it, especially if you're chasing a lyric, and it's like, is this lyric working? Is this idea working? You just run with it. Um, and then it's i don't want to say it's not intentional um like the way to say it's it's not in, it's not in t- my intention to say every song needs to rhyme like this or let's try some rhymes in the middle of this of this phrases rather than at the end of the phrases which is typical um i feel like you just all, all you're left with in any creative endeavor is your own aesthetic intuition and you have to go with what moves you and when any time, I mean, there's been a countless artists that come in and we end up with a song that I don't care about. Um, and that's okay because they're saying, no, I don't want to do this because I want to do that. And I'm like, well, that does not in my head, you know, or heart or whatever. I'm like, well, that doesn't do anything for me, but it's your career. You know, it's your artistic impulse that you're chasing. So chase it then. Um, and I hope that it, I hope it works if I like you. and uh the demo to kill a word yeah which is you singing yeah which we have it right here oh well like to play a little bit of it here i put up set down in its place i squeeze the life out of disgrace lay over under six cold feet of dirt if i yeah 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 could only kill a word so I mean, I heard that. Do you steal that? Do you steal that? We were at your house last night. That's why I know so much about your studio. Computer broke in last night. Wow! So change the the code. (laughs) Is it a? How prevalent is it that if you're writing with or for like an Eric, that that person doesn't sing the demo? And is that purposeful so the demo doesn't get out with his voice on it? Uh, It wasn't purposeful. He just said, "Put your put your vocal on. I like what you're doing." I'm out. Um, do do your thing. I want to hear what you do. Um, and then there's sometimes where, especially if it's a female artist, where uh, where I'm less inclined to go do a vocal on it. Um, and for a couple of reasons, one is it's shrewd. You know, it's like if they just hear a dude on there, then it sounds like a dude song. You know, but if you write it with the artist who's female and then another female artist the other the other or, or excuse me the other female writer if the other female writer sings it 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 makes more sense to me but i don't like really it, i feel like it shoots you in the foot a little bit unless it's somebody like miranda that we know each other well enough to where it's like not like she's like oh this doesn't sound like this. she can hear through that stuff i trust her to hear through that stuff but generally if an artist is there um and especially if it's an artist that I don't work with that often. I'm going to try to get them to sing it because I want to hear what they sound like on it too. If I and also see if you fa- if you did okay or you didn't. What I mean by that is sometimes you write all these melodies, you write this song, and somebody sings on it and just doesn't sound good, you know. And so if you're off the mark in terms of a melodic structure or something like that, you'll be able to hear it when they get on the microphone. It's like they're not really capable of singing that or they're really great at it or it's kind of in the middle. Maybe we shouldn't have gone that high and you change the key, those kind of technical decisions like that. So it's, it, 
if it's a if they if we're the only writers in the room, oftentimes I get tasked with singing the singing the demo on it, and I'm generally um, happy to do that. It's fun to me. It's a creative endeavor, especially if I love the song. When Bluebird comes out and it's a massive radio success, and I think it was the first massive radio song from Miranda in a long time. Mm-hmm. I remember her saying that, like, yeah. you know, she had just had a record that that double album had done so wonderful, but mm-hmm. it didn't translate into singles. But Bluebird comes and just crushes. It's number one and was won two Grammys. Um, no, we nominated for two Grammys. So nominated for two Grammys. Yeah. Did you go? It was when COVID was happening. Yeah, so, so you still... No, I bought a suit in my, in my closet. <laughs> it sits. So you didn't even put it on for the night of, as, nah, as they were doing it on, nah, uh, no. on the internet. On uh-uh. No. So is that cool to you to be nominated for a Grammy, or is it to you, is that just a piece of metal that represents... And what does representation even mean? I would, I would really be lying if I didn't say that I would not want to win a Grammy. I mean, I would love to say that I won a Grammy. Um... I, sometimes I catch myself, you know, when you win something and it's like, I'm always thankful to win something. Um, there is a truth for me to the, f- the fact that when you write a song like that, that was really meaningful to you, that nothing compares to the day that you wrote it with your friends. And then you heard the, and then you played it back and you heard, and you sang on it and you listened to the demo and you get excited about it. Nothing compares to that joy. Winning awards is, um, it's another like just kind of hurrah at the end, you know, that you're you, the hard work and the beauty, the beautiful work is already done. And Amy Paler calls it the pudding. You know, you've already eaten the meat and all that stuff. And pudding is nice, you know, but you don't need it. You're already full kind of, um, of everything that said, I w- if the Grammy, any Grammy voters are out there, <laughs> if I'm up for anything next year, please vote for me. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your next stop before attending your next concert. Tacova's has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring. You're talking about men's boots, women's boots, um, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition, timeless style, always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort, little to no break-in period. Like it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, direct consumer pricing keeps the value on your feet, the money in your pocket. So stop by your local Tacova store. Have a complimentary drink. Shop the new styles. You like the smell of leather or no? I love it. Yeah. That's what the whole store basically is. Fresh leather. Yep. Friendly staff. Or like the smell of staff? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm sure they smell good there. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. What a gift, too. Regular live music and events. There is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. Tecovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How did the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer shaped the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed as the Boar's Nest, 
Sue's Place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, that's where they would spur each other and tap into something bigger and something realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Backrack as Shel Silverstein and T.J. Osborne as Johnny Cash alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the boar's nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The boar's nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Listen now at audible.com slash the boar's nest. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the kids at St. Jude. St. Jude's been leading the way in the world's best survival rates for some of the most aggressive forms of childhood cancer. Your support means that families never get a bill from St. Jude for treatment or travel or housing or food so the families can focus on helping their child live. And that really hits home for me because I've been to St. Jude many times. I've hung out with the kids, played music for the kids. I was in the hospital a lot as a kid. Now, I didn't have cancer, but if it wasn't for people stepping up, I don't know that I would have been able to go and stay in the hospital and be taken care of. So that's why we do this, take care of others. You can help St. Jude stop childhood cancer by becoming a partner in hope. When you do this, you'll get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. So join all the doctors and researchers, you know, and me in this fight and just text the word Bobby to 785-833. It's only six numbers, but text the word Bobby to 785-833. One of my favorite songs uh, from you is Velvet Elvis. Oh, yeah. From Casey. Yeah. Velvet Elvis. <laughs> Do you ever have an idea for a song or a title like Velvet Elvis and have to Google and see if it's been done because it just sounds so perfect and you're like, surely somebody's done this before. Um, that'll happen sometimes. And if it's like uh, something obscure somewhere, it's like no, titles aren't um, copywritten. So, and also it's like, again, um, uh, Lionel Richie's, you know, all night long. And then Beyonce had a song called All Night. It was great. Um, so, but something like Velvet Elvis to me, that's a little trickier one. Nat and I have, uh, we wrote a song called Taxidermy and it's just like. From Casey. Yeah, or Cassie Ashton. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, yeah, you, you can't, you know, it's like, we've had a few <laughs> artists that come in and it's just like, uh, do you want to, I got this title called, uh, um, I Can't Make You Love Me. <laughs> and I'm just like, ooh. You know, or a blackbird. You know, it's like you can't. There's something right, right, right. about those. I don't know that you can do again. Um, I would, I would scratch my head if somebody came out with bluebird again in the next couple of years. You know, at least in the genre of country for sure. Um, so people don't normally do that. I've have got. I've caught myself. I had a title one time called "Don't It, Don't It," and. Uh, I wrote it, and then a week later, Billy Currington comes out with a song called Don't It. And, and so I was like, there's a waste of 12 hours. Did you go back and try to find another angle yeah. to rename it? It's called Do It Now. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody's out there listening and wants to cut it, you can uh, email my publisher. it will send it right over. <laughs> You've got two of the three singles so far from Miranda's newest record. Yeah. Do you kind of know where she's leaning when a project is done? Like, I really feel like these that we wrote could be singles. Or do you just sit and guess with everybody else? I kind of guess with everybody else, you know. 
I feel I feel it in my heart, you know, and I feel like that could be something big. But then there are so many people who make those decisions because I don't know because what because whatever. But um, you know, there are people at the label who have an idea, and the promo people at the radios and all this. You know, it's just like it's that's another game. It's it's real difficult for me to get wrapped up in unless I want even more anguish than the than the music business deals out. You know, so I try to chill out um, on. Not it's not that I don't hope that I have singles because I want you know songs that I believe in to be heard, um, but I do um, try to maintain some kind of mindfulness or zen around w- what's happening behind the scenes because I don't think I've changed anything one time. You know, it's like oh, if I just told them this or you know, sort of some kind of varus right from Game of Thrones, some kind of whisperer, you know. <laughs> behind the scenes making things happen it's like that's not my game what about if you cut a song like you like Dirk's cut the mountain which you guys wrote yeah and so you, you write the mountain he cuts the mountain and then it becomes the title track now to some people that's great because the whole project maybe the tour is named after it could be a single but to some people it's oh no it's the title track that'll never be a single wow you know I don't know it, 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 that's a great that's a great um set of facts to figure out are there is there any title of a record that's ever been a hit like recently it was well yeah. okay i just thinking i'm going right now brothers osborne have a single now because this is their record called um it's like it's like you're not like us or and it's also their single yeah yeah um it, not every we're not for everyone is yeah, that the name of i wrote it? that yeah it's not for everyone <laughs> The, the album skeletons. Oh, it is. Okay, never mind. Never mind. But you wrote that. You wrote that Brothers yeah. Osborne song. I yeah, with the. That's from Skeletons, though. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's the tour. Okay, that's what it is. The oh, tour yeah. is called the We're Not for Everyone I tour. Mean, yeah. Tours. That's tour, what it is. Tours are a plus. Name and getting your. There was the Burning Man tour for a minute. I get that was a good one. Um, I'm trying to figure out. Yeah, and that's something we should look at too because most people act like they don't like it if the record is named after the song they wrote. But I don't know if it's just some fallacy that has now happened. Because- uh, I'm ready to break it now. I'm just like, I don't even care about that rule. It's like, that's sh- surely there's a way around that. Do you want to call Dirks right now and put, he, do the he, mountain? Yeah, put out the mountain. I know you're two, two singles past that record, but <laughs> let's go back. You didn't, why, I mean, what's who's to say you can't? I. There are no, there are rules no more. Uh, you know, Lizzo did that. It was like I was loving on Lizzo. You know, Maddie and Tay turned me on to Lizzo. Um, this was in 2016 or something like that, and I got so into it. And then I was like, man, these are bangers. And then she, I don't know what happens, but she has a song that's big, and she gets has a moment. And then they just start releasing everything as singles as everything starts going as radio that were four or five years old because they're so awesome. I was like, see, there's no rules. There's no rules. You can do anything. Yeah, and Dirk, put out the mountain. Yeah, yeah, Dirk, put out the mountain. We know you're listening. Uh, Yeah, that's a wild story because even, that that was an old song. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, yeah. We're pure melody. We're both melody guys right now. Uh, Dirks, Breland, Hardy, Beers on Me, which is a single right now. Yeah. Swing on back. 
living on feel-good standard time My card's on the bar, you got nowhere to be If you don't come through, buddy, that's on you Cause the beer's on me so you have a new, you have a song that's out today, Friday, because this, be, yeah. this will be heard on Friday. Uh-huh. Uh, some things happen, and so, but this is not from your documentary. This no, whole, no, whole uh, this new is a thing. whole new thing. Whole new thing. So, is this? I'm this so is, over that documentary. Are you? I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you just got to keep making stuff. You know what I else agree. is there to do? I don't know. You just, just keep making stuff. Keep creating and feeling good, and hopefully something yeah. hits. And if it doesn't, keep going. <laughs> but why? You're now, you put out Something's Happen, which is not Hey Steve. No. Which is not the documentary. No. This is a you, it feels like a country yeah, it's song. Yeah, a country-ish song. Ish, okay. Yeah. So what's the, wh- why, why now, why this? I just, ha- honestly, um, I I had put out Polyester, which was part of the track, and um, people gravitated toward it, and, and they were like, um, why aren't you putting out more songwriter of your stuff from Nashville songwriting? And I said, that's a great question. I mean, I have a lot of songs that I love. And so then I was like, I'm just going to put together a record. I don't care how long it takes. I'll just put together a record. And um, I mean, this will be a part of the record. And when will the record come out? I don't know. <laughs> March. How about March. That, that sounds, sounds good, good for now. Yeah, yeah why not? Yeah. You have me back in in March. Yeah, why we can not? talk about it. <laughs> so um, do you want to tour? Yeah, I want to tour. Well, you said earlier, you know, you couldn't because of the kid. Yeah. But now can't, you know. Well, you know, things are different. You know, you can, the way that the country tours, you can go out and play. Um, Steve will do 30 or 40 shows a year. Um, if we rock through this festival season um, and play a few festivals it's it's um hey steve plays 30 to 40 shows a year yeah wow yeah i mean that's a touring well, schedule itself yeah kind of well why do you say that i mean even if you just Is look, she going out for three days you know here there 10 times oh listen i get it, it the, yeah. the country tour and yeah. you know alternative pop tour all different animals yeah yep. but 30 to 40 dates while being a professional songwriter doing it as much as you do it that's yeah, a significant yeah. amount of work it is a significant amount of work um <clears throat> but the, the, the okay the, this is always this has been the recurring theme of my career um do you do you want to play for people yes and then there then then life gives you all these caveats um logistical caveats do you want to also go right with Dirks for three or four days. Yes. Do you need, you want to go um, to your kid's spelling bee? Yes. And so I've luckily found a management team who understand um, the fluid um, con- concept of my schedule. And um, it, it works, you know, it's like I put together a living. Um, I'm able to go play. And if, you know, if, there's a good opening gig or like Steve's doing some hard tickets. We could do hard, a few hard ticket dates and play a few festivals and um, have a good time. It's like, um, and, I don't know, life is, that's what I want to do. You know, it's, it brings me joy. And so you go do it. And also when you see people, when you're playing for people and the songs do something for you and you see them in the environment of a live show, which is really kind of where music um, is the benchmark to me for 
what music is. Um, it's a communal thing, you know. It's not just he- headphones for people. Um, there was there was a switch flipped in me a few years ago, just playing with a guitar and being able to tell stories and and uh, have a moment with with people. Um, and then Steve is a whole different piece where it's just a sort of crazy. Um, raucous live show um and and like cadillac three had us we opened the ryman for them last week and it was um such a rad experience i've never played the ryman before and to do it opening for a country band with an indie rock band um this sort of absurdist twist you know it's really fun i appreciate your ability to try to save breaths by not saying hey in front of hey steve like you're I mean, <laughs> you keep calling us Steve. Yeah, Steve. I mean, I, hey, I like I like that you guys have really abbreviated. It's a it's a big difference. Uh huh. Uh huh. I mean, hey, breath. <laughs> well, <laughs> we called it Steve for a while, and my management said we can't do this anymore because every time Steve Aoki releases, so it really was Steve, Steve for a yeah, while. Yeah, it was Steve okay. for a while. I was just like, uh, um, all right, I get it. Fine, practicalities. Here is a clip of Run Through the City. Hey, run through the city, cause I got no time. Yeah. Hey, run through the city, cause it's mine. Yeah. I wanna hear my heartbeat. Reed, our guy shooting video over there, he went to, uh, Reed, where did you go to his show? Uh, it was at the Basement East. And when you went, wh- how were you put on to Steve? Hey, Steve. Um, actually, some buddies of mine were opening for you, uh, Joey Broadnax. Oh yeah, they were awesome. Yeah, yeah, I love those the guys. ladder out there. Yeah, they they're crazy, man. Mm-hmm. So I went to go see them, and then Steve threw it down. It was amazing. And he said he came back and was like, I didn't, he had to Google it. I was like, wait, that's the same guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. It's like you're living two different lives, though. Yeah, um, ish. It's you know, hey, Steve's pretty cathartic sort of situation where um, it's almost like you wake up from a it's like you've had like an internet bender or something like that, and you wake up from it, and then like you just sort of these are the lyrics, you know, sort of stream of consciousness, stream of consciousness lyrics, but you're also having a really good time while you're doing it. That's kind of the the vibe. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacovas is your next stop before attending your next concert. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring. You're talking about men's boots, women's boots. Um, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition, timeless style, always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort, little to no break-in period. Like, it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, direct consumer pricing keeps the value on your feet, the money in your pocket. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink, shop the new styles. You like the smell of leather or no? I love it. Yeah, that's what the whole store basically is. Fresh leather, yep. friendly staff. Or like the smell of staff? I don't know. I guess I'm sure they smell good there. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. What a gift, too. Regular live music and events. There is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. Tecovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson... How do the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. 
Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer shaped the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed as the Boar's Nest, Stu's Place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, that's where they would spur each other and tap into something bigger and something realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Backrack as Shel Silverstein and TJ Osborne as Johnny Cash alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the Boar's Nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer, and the birth of outlaw country music. Listen now at audible.com slash the Boar's Nest. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the kids at St. Jude. St. Jude's been leading the way in the world's best survival rates for some of the most aggressive forms of childhood cancer. Your support means that families never get a bill from St. Jude for treatment or travel or housing or food so the families can focus on helping their child live. And that really hits home for me because I've been to St. Jude many times. I've hung out with the kids, played music for the kids. I was in the hospital a lot as a kid. Now, I didn't have cancer, but if it wasn't for people stepping up, I don't know that I would have been able to go and stay in the hospital and be taken care of. So that's why we do this, take care of others. You can help St. Jude stop childhood cancer by becoming a partner in hope. When you do this, you'll get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. So join all the doctors and researchers, you know, and me in this fight and just text the word Bobby to 785-833. It's only six numbers, but text the word Bobby to 785-833. Wrote a couple other songs here. Settling Down, which I thought should have been a number one. I mean, it was was ready. It was right there. Yeah, what happened? Don't, hey, listen, I don't know. People blame me for stuff. I have nothing to do with programming radio. <laughs> I get on the air and talk, and they throw some songs around me, and that's the day. What happened? But I was, um, I really felt like that song will be one of hers, though, that it doesn't matter what number it was, it will hang out and be a part. People don't know yes, where exactly. some goes number one or not. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. Pink Sunglasses, which you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Which, she did this at maybe the CMA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite moments was looking out, and uh, Jada Pinkett was rocking out, and she had the glasses on, and she was just like stoically nodding to his son. <laughs> you mentioned Dirks, and he did Burning Man Tour, which is, you wrote Burning Man. Yeah. And then he did The Mountain, which you, the album was yeah. called The Mountain. You had both. You had the tour and the... Yeah, yeah. I wish I made money from that. Like if you if it, you put your title on the side of a freighter, you hey, you get, can't trademark a title. And his tour now is beers on me. Yeah, yeah. Hey, so anytime, so any, I don't know. Somebody, <laughs> there's some lawyers listening out there. If you guys would just figure out how to make people pay like a quarter every time they see the side of a truck. I am such a Cassie Ashton fan. Yeah, she's great. Like I think she is kind of the undiscovered, like. She may have been, and I hate to just use this term, but we were just saying it a few minutes ago, slightly ahead of her time because mm-hmm. she was pro- very progressive and she's already going to be sitting there ready when it gets to her. Yeah, yeah, like she's, yeah. And she's such an artist and, and just a creator. Music, obviously, she can sing. She cr- makes clothes like crazy. Yeah, I feel like there's such a spirit to her. Yeah, and so I've, she's like the untapped mm-hmm. that one day it's going to just be massive from her. Totally, I feel that. Taxidermy, you mentioned that one. Here's a clip of that. I mean, what a jam. What a jam. Uh, Violins. I mean, you have so many, we can't do them all. But, 
you know, you have a song that's out today that I want people to check out. And the record could come out any day. Let's just say that. The, al- the whole album could come out any day. Any day. So check this song out and just yeah, yeah. and every day look back. Yeah, and then and then let's make it awesome. And then if Kenny Chesney wants to cut it too, he can go cut it. Would any of the songs that you put on your album be available if someone wants to also cut it and put it out? Yes. Nice. See, that's all. But one word. <laughs> yes. Would you cut for this album any of the songs you'd written for other people that you love so much? I feel um, maybe not that have been released. Not. I feel like you know people have heard that enough. I feel like there could be more. There could be but your else. take is so is extremely different. I know you say that, and you've been yeah. involved in the the intricacies of writing. The early stages, maybe not in the studio on all of them or uh, any of them, but I feel like you have such a different style and vibe to it. Yeah. You mean my the record? The, if you were to, I'll give you an example. Nico Moon, who wrote a lot with Zach Brown. Yeah. He wrote, um, I got some home, homegrown. Homegrown. Yeah. And we wrote it with Zach, but Zach put it on. He's like, oh, that's not how we wrote it. He's like, we, I wrote it like this. And he, he enjoys Zach's version, but he puts it out and it's kind of... Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, okay. Like, do you picture any of those songs like that or are you just out? You know, it's funny because a lot of the songs that end up on people's records are are either like maybe I produced it or partly produced it or played some stuff on it yeah. and it came from my demo or something. So it's like, I don't know what I would do differently, you know, in terms of because it was... I, I feel like the creative... The, the sonic creative stamp was already on there, so it's kind of tricky to me to go in there. And it's like, oh yeah, they just took you know Eric's voice off and just put Luke's voice on. It's like I don't, you know, I don't want to do that. I'm do something. There's, there's plenty more songs to write. Plenty more songs to write. You guys can also check out Red Dog, which is your documentary. Oh yeah, yeah. You make any money off that? Yeah, I I've, I think I've broken even on it. Now, now that's a win. <laughs> yeah, it is a win. Yeah, that's a win. It was a labor of love, and so it's like when you really do the balance sheet on everything. Well, I drove here and I drove there, and I you know chicken tenders here, whatever. You know, you start racking it up, and um, and it's expensive to make movies, and it was just me and a couple other people making it. Um, but yeah, we finally, I think we finally broke even, and it's but. More than that, to me, it's like we can, the email boxes are kind of flooded with stories and stuff from people who watched the film. And I had a similar childhood, or I had a child that was kind of like this, and it was just like this. And then my dad was in the biker gang, and blah 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 blah. And um, and all that to say is that I people found it meaningful. I found it meaningful doing it. I knew didn't ever think I was going to get rich off making that. Um, I always just found that it was an interesting place to be creative. Um, and once I started doing it, it was really exciting to me. And also it was really fun to make music around that, um, to make music, to create an experience that, um, with an intention. Um, so that was, um, where it really kind of was a concept record that the, the concept was the film, you know? And that was polyester and blazer. We're yeah. both off of that, That's right? That's right. That's right. Oh, here we go. It's almost like we're prepared. There we go. <laughs> it's going over there. I can hear him back home. Singing. All right, new song out today. Something's happened. We've spent an hour here. Uh, you're just a, you're a really entertaining guy. Hey, man, thanks for having me on here. I'm um, glad to be entertaining people. Everything about you. you. When you drove up to the gate. Uh-huh. 
What did I do? Your shirt, <laughs> your sunglasses, did, your presence. You just an energy. You just. You look, I'm looking at you at all angles. Like I pulled right. up in a minivan and like this. That this. was almost entertaining because I tell you why. When uh, I pulled up, I saw I looked on the camera. Uh, it was like boop, push a button, look at it, yeah. and I didn't say anything back because I, I hit the button. It goes, you come on in, or whatever it says, right? But I said, this is a very successful guy. And most people that come over here show up in their big trucks or their, their fancy cars. And he pulls up in a minivan. And I was like, Reed, I don't know if that's him or not. But if it is, that's awesome. He just showed up in a minivan. I can't remember. I pulled up to a right one time in, in the minivan. Or, or maybe nobody nobody saw it. I pulled up in and then in the right. It's like, hey, man, you know, my truck. If my wife ever made me buy a minivan. And I was like... Um. Whoa! I didn't realize there was so much identity, and I said uh, tied to a vehicle, and also you don't even have cows or anything. And, <laughs> and then I was like, also, have you seen minivans? It's like they are geared. It's like they're for a band person, or they're so practical, like the levels at which you put children or cram children into seats and stuff. It's like perfect and. You can push the button and all the stuff comes up. I mean, I might get a Tesla one day or something like that, but then it's not coming anytime soon. Well, that being said, you're entertaining in every way. Good. From your arrival you. to your departure. You had a British lady. She, access granted. Yes, that's, that's what, what she, she said. Says, right there. Yeah. That's what it is. Not, yeah. Come on in. It's yeah. access granted. Yes. <laughs> I love right. that. Luke Dick, follow him hey. at Luke Dick. You guys check out Some Things Happen. Um, and then also you can still go and... Uh, see Red Dog, which you can get on Amazon. Yeah, Hulu. It's on Hulu? Yeah, Hulu, Amazon. Uh, which Hulu may be the way, because Hulu, you already have the service. Yeah, there you go. Um, and Amazon, it was part of Amazon Prime, but anyway. But do you buy it on Amazon Prime, or is it I one of the I don't even know. I don't know. Those are like somebody, some mountain in the sky that make those decisions. That's it. At Luke Dick. Luke, thanks, man. Thank you. This festival and concert season will be... All about the boots, and Tacova's is your stop before attending your next concert. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink, shop new styles. If you can't make it to a store, just visit Tacova's.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. You can probably spell it. You probably know it. Tacovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.